Hello, I'm Bob Danhauser of the CFA Institute staff, and it's my great pleasure to welcome Professor Lori Santos, Professor of Psychology and Head of Silliman College at Yale University. Lori, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So you ran a course at Yale called The Psychology of Good Life and had uh, tremendous success with it, the most popular course ever at Yale University. That's right. Um, talk a little bit about um, how the course came about and whether you think there are some unique things going on in the undergraduate experience or perhaps the experience of being an undergraduate at a demanding institution like Yale or whether there's something else um, larger going on societally that's driving interest in the issues of how to live a good life and a flourishing life. Yeah, so I started the class at Yale in part because I was really worried about the Yale students I was working with. Um, this role of being a head of college means I live on campus with students. I like eat with them in the dining hall. I kind of see them in the trenches. And what I was seeing up close and personal was the so-called college student mental health crisis. Um, it's not even just at Ivy League institutions like Yale. This is true nationally at colleges right now where over 40% of students report being too depressed to function and over 60% say that they are overwhelmingly anxious most of the time. Like the statistics are really bad. And so I decided to teach the class mostly to help the college students to just teach them some better strategies uh, the science of happiness really gives us these easy habits that we can put into place every day to feel a little bit better. And I thought, well, if I just teach the students the science of these habits and give them the space to practice them, they might do better. What I didn't expect, though, was that the class would resonate you know, beyond the Ivy League, you know, beyond the ivory tower. Um, we got so much press for the class, and it seemed like it was like the kind of thing that was needed just beyond college students. Most of the emails I get are not from students in college. They're from parents, they're from lawyers, they're from folks in finance, right, who are also like, you know, what are the secrets? You know, tell me how I can flourish more. So I think there's something particular going on among our young people, but I think, you know, all of us are feeling like we're not flourishing enough and we want some, like, some hints about how we can do better. And do you think that's unique to our times, or if we'd run this course 10 years ago, do you think it would have had similar uptake? Yeah, other universities have had similar courses historically, and they've always been big, but this one was, I think, a little bit bigger. And I think that's a sign of the times, you know, just our news cycle is kind of miserable right now, you know, we're facing inequality in a way we haven't thought before. And I think what the research suggests is our minds tell us to go after certain things, assuming they're going to make us really happy. But they don't make us as happy as we think. And those are things like material possessions, you know, accumulating wealth. So I think folks think, like, I'm doing it the right way and something's still missing. And I think that that's gotten different just in the last 10 to 20 years or so. So one of the interesting things that I've heard you talk about is the idea that happier people tend to be very deliberate in seeking out social connections. Mm -hmm. Does that um, stack the deck against people who are naturally introverted who find it to be real work to build and sustain those kinds of interactions? Yeah, it's, it stacks the deck, but only in one way. The, the bad news is, is that it is the case that introverts forecast that social connection is going to be harder, or the startup cost associated with talking to someone, hanging out with someone new will be higher. But in practice, when you do experiments and you force introverts to talk to a stranger, say, what you find is that they get just as much of a benefit as the extroverts. Oh, interesting. It seems like what's different about introverts is that their prediction is like, not just it's going to be tough, but it's like going to actively be really bad. But in practice, when you get them to do it, they, they feel a lot better. Um, and so in some ways, it might be most powerful for introverts to kind of challenge those intuitions and try it out. And then you can really reap some huge benefits. But they still need that nudge to get started. They for... still, But I mean, the fact is like, 
like everyone needs a nudge. I mean, one of the, the big things we see in college campuses and just worldwide right now is that loneliness is on the rise. You know, there are public health ministers that are being assigned in governments to focus on loneliness. Um, folks say that being feeling lonely is as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm. You know, so it's like a real public health threat. But the good news is unlike, you know, quitting smoking, which can be really hard, you just have to, you know, talk to somebody on the plane and flight back home or talk to somebody at work or the barista at your coffee shop. It doesn't take a lot of work. You just have to get over that hump. Right, right. So you're here um, speaking at the 72nd uh, Annual Conference of CFA Institute, mm -hmm. a gathering of uh, CFA practitioners in all facets of investment management and capital markets uh, by any measure, a group that's accomplished and yes. that likes to learn. Mm -hmm. um, they've mastered a, a fairly demanding curriculum. You talk a little bit about the cognitive fallacy of knowing things and how that's not really enough um, to carry people forward to a, to a flourishing life. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so this is a cognitive bias that's known as the G.I. Joe fallacy, which if you're a kid of the 80s like me, you might have intuition what this is about. It's about, you know, G.I. Joe, the cartoon. They would tell you that, you know, knowing is half the battle. It's like, G.I. Joe. And it became this sort of tune to the 80s. But but what the cognitive science work suggests is that knowing isn't really half the battle at all. It's, it's some part of the battle. You know, it helps you kind of structure things better. But merely knowing doesn't change your behavior. You know, take, take the world of, you know, fitness and healthy eating. You know, we all know that we probably shouldn't be eating processed food and sugar and we should be exercising every day and sleeping better. But just all of us knowing that hasn't immediately translated into like full healthy eating, right? It helps, but it's not enough. And I think what the research shows in the field of well-being is like you can know all the things you have to do, but that doesn't immediately translate into doing it. And I think for analytic folks like folks at CFA and so on, I think that's an important realization that, you know, just reading a quick book on happiness or just thinking about a lecture, you know, it's a start, but it, it doesn't get you most of the way there. You have to put in the effort. Um, the good news is that these are also very type A folks. So if you give them a set of goals and a plan, they'll, they'll put it into action. And so I think you just need to recognize that you got to put the work in. I think of the analogy to elite athletes who sort of focus on every potential uh, aspect of their performance and seek to create muscle memory. And it sounds a little bit similar. It's not just knowing what to do, but sort of practicing and putting it into, into motion to actually have it occur over time without giving a deliberate thought. Yeah, it's a wonderful analogy because it's, again, you know, if these athletes read everything they need to do to be, say, a competitive tennis player, but they never went out to a court, you know, nothing would change. And, and happiness works the same way. It doesn't actually take that much time. You just have to do it. Right. Yeah, I, I told my students, like flossing your teeth. Like, we all know we should do it. Like, it doesn't actually take that much time, but, like, you got to actually do it to reap the benefit. Indeed. So in the business world, um, it seems like uh, design is part of the solution to some of these issues. There's a much more thoughtful approach to how you set up an office and structure interactions between yep. colleagues. Does that work, do you think? Is that is that a useful um, approach to addressing some of these issues? Yeah, I think I think of design as maybe even more broadly than just the physical space of an office. I think of design as companies very intentionally trying to set up their culture, set up their physical spaces to think about how to promote well-being more broadly. And I think there are really easy ways companies can, can do something like this. You know, having a space for people to take some time and reflect, um, you know, maybe having nap rooms so people can sleep. These can be really powerful, like moments of design where it just signals, hey, our company cares about letting you have some time off. It cares about sleep. It cares about meditation and so on. And just signaling that can have powerful effects for companies where, you know, when folks come in and they're kind of in type A mode, it's like, oh, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm supposed to do this stuff. I'm supposed to focus on well-being as much as I focus on, say, my portfolio. Yeah, that's not necessarily uh, how people would ordinarily think of it. It takes a little bit of a change of a mindset. Yeah, but, but, you know, if there's a room down the hall that's like, oh, that's a meditation room, you're like, oh, oh, I guess that's just as important as, you know, the conference room and something right, like that. Right, right. It's got some validation to it. 
So um, we've got just a minute or two left. If somebody wanted to make some immediate changes, what do you think are, say, the two uh, best things that they could seek to undertake? Yeah, I feel like for folks in, in the finance world, I think the first one was we mentioned social connection. It's the one thing that separates very happy people. And it, you know, even if you're very busy, you can do it really fast. Talk to the priest at the coffee shop, talk to someone else. Instead of sending an email, walk down the hall. It's really simple habits, but can have a big effect. So that electronic interface isn't a good it's substitute. It's not as good, yeah. Like you want like real time, real human interaction, uh -huh. um, which again is going away. I, th I think the second one for folks in finance is a lot of the work suggests that we need to take time to be present, that we need to not be mind wandering, you know, all over the place to think about the future, think about the portfolio, think about that meeting that's coming up. It's really hard, but the simple act of just being like, you know, every, you know, set a little timer for yourself every couple hours, like take a little break. You know, people do this to kind of walk around their office. You can do this to take a little break where you just like breathe and focus on your breath and just like focus on the present for a second. It sounds so silly, but it can have these really profound effects on performance, but also just like feeling mentally together. Does that work in a in a environment where stress has been viewed as part of the uh, success equation? So in a very competitive, dynamic field like finance, and and where you're working in real time markets, yeah. can people afford to sort of take that minute to collect themselves and refocus? Yeah, I think I think often our intuition is like, oh my gosh, we can't. We're just so trapped for you know so pressed for time. But in practice, I think it can be most powerful in that environment. You know, if you walk into that meeting having had just you know 30 seconds on your own to kind of catch your breath and be present, you're going to interact in that meeting completely differently. The data would suggest than someone who didn't. And so I think in a high, like super fast-paced environment, a really highly stressful environment, it's even more important to take these short moments to be present. Interesting. We talked just before we um, started uh, chatting on film here that um, your Coursera uh, distribution of the seminar related to this coursework has met with great, great uptake across a variety of diverse audiences, yeah. including folks who are probably at the tail end or out of their professional lives. What do you think accounts for that? Yeah, I think, you know, when we started the Coursera course, we assumed it'd be, you know, the millennials who are taking digital learning so seriously. But, you know, we have a, like a whole host of individuals who are, you know, in their, their upper years thinking about this. And I think what it signals is like, you know, this isn't just college students. We all need this stuff. And maybe as we get closer to the tail end of our career, we're really like thinking about like, OK, what, what's next? You know, what else is there? We need this even more. I think those are the questions that come up as people get up there. Um, but the science can give you some really profound answers. Interesting. Well, Lori Santos, thank you so much for joining us today. Your work is fascinating. For those who are interested, you can refer to it on Coursera and get a sense for what the Yale undergraduates found to be so popular and interesting. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.